episode four, Utah in the Weeds. Um, we're here. I didn't think we were going to have a show again today. We've been trying to record over the last week uh, with the coronavirus going on. So, so we're here though, Tim. Thank goodness. And we got Blake. I'll let you introduce Blake, Tim. L- Blake let you- from Zion Pharmaceuticals. This is probably the best. I, I mean, so far, Blake, you really are the best, the leading manufacturer of THC products in the state. Although, let's be honest, we can't even buy any yet. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> uh, we're producing, but whether or not you can get them is a whole nother, whole nother ball game. Right. Tell us about uh, Zion and tell us about you. Okay. Well, um, I'll start off with Zion. Uh, Zion Pharmaceutical, we have a cultivation license, one of the eight. We are currently growing uh, flour. We should be ready within the next two to three weeks. We produce, man, it's looking real pretty. It's looking real pretty. I know I've seen a couple of photos. Right? I have, it, yep. I've seen a couple uh, of photos. Chris, you're missing out. These, This looks like, yeah, it's going to so be where, great. So where can I see some photos? Where can I see some pictures? Well, I mean, is there a website that our listeners can go no, check out or anything like that? No, it's all under tops. It's all top secret. It's all top secret. I, I'm trying to find one on my phone right now to show you guys. Hey, so Blake, while you're, while you're looking that up, um, what is your job there? Like, what is your role? You're kind of like the scientist there testing stuff out. I am the, um, chief scientific officer for Zion pharmaceuticals. Um, oh, I, I just found some. And unfortunately, our listeners won't be able to probably see this, but that is beautiful, right? Yeah, those are those those are going to be beautiful plants. Premium bud. So, so we yeah, so we have a cultivation license. We're cultivating, but we also have one of the processing licenses, and so we can do everything from extraction all the way through to um, making final product. And my area of expertise in this is isolating specific cannabinoids for therapeutic purpose, and so. Um, that sort of leads me into how I got involved in all of this. So basically, I worked in pharmaceuticals as a bioanalytical chemist for a long period of time. And then I left to that and went to academia. And I had, was having a pretty good gig in academia. I was at Westminster College, and then I went to the University of Utah during that period of time. Uh, my daughter was diagnosed with a genetic condition that gives her a predilection for seizures. And so um, we belonged to a parents alliance. And at the time, they basically, they were saying CBD products might be able to help her. I didn't know anything at the time. So I traveled and grabbed a bunch of products, anything I could find from California, Oregon, Colorado. And rather than just giving them to my daughter, that'd be irresponsible. (laughs) Um, I took them to the lab, right? And I threw them all on uh, the mass spectrometer and HPLC, GC. So that's gas chromatography and high-performance liquid chromatography, mass spectrometry. And then I determined what was in them, right? I got to figure this out. This is like no one this – is, this is just a unique story. Okay, so back, back up. How old is your daughter at this point? My daughter was six and a half. So you got a six and a half year old with a, with a condition that's has a, has a predilection for seizures. Yep. You go across the country gathering up cannabis products Yep. and you're from Utah. Remember like yep. your background is right here. Homegrown Utah. Right? I'm a homegrown Utah boy. Yep. Yes. You bring it all back 
and you do the absolutely most responsible thing. You take it up to the lab and test it all. Yep, absolutely. Yep. And what I found out was most products were not what people say they are. What do you mean by that? So they will tell you what the potency is, um, what the cannabinoid content is. They say that, you know, this has been tested for pesticide-free. Look, man, I found pesticide residues. I found metal residues. I found the potencies weren't what anyone says they were. The cannabinoid content wasn't what people said they were. It was the Wild West. Like, it was literally the Wild West. Not doesn't mean all products were bad, but there was a lot of products that weren't what they claimed. Was this product you were buying on the black market or was it product you were buying at dispensaries in California? Dispensaries, dispensaries, and also just CBD stores, right? Anyone who was selling. So I was, cause I wasn't sure where I would land on the THC side, but I wanted to try and figure out everything, anything and everything I could about all of it. CBD. Like I didn't know what the minor cannabinoids did. I didn't have any clue what any of it did really. Look, you go on the internet, the internet's the wild west too. Like half the stuff out there is garbage, you know, but here's the tricky thing. You go to a website and somebody will say something and there will be some kind of grain of truth and it'll be surrounded by a whole bunch of stuff that's not true. And so how do you even start parsing that out until you start like getting involved with it? Right. And so, um, I got involved with a group that was growing hundreds of acres of industrial hemp. I helped identify some issues they were having uh, during the farming process, and uh, I helped them out. They asked me to join as their chief scientific officer. I did that. We extracted and processed thousands of pounds, if not tens of thousands of pounds of industrial hemp. And then I, during this whole process, I'm, I'm just learning everything I can learn about everything, right? And, you know, for example, we know that CBG helps with inflammation. And one of the most interesting things is trying to determine the mechanisms of action of why it would do that. And what we're learning now is that based on CBG's permeability, it actually will uh, affect peroxisomes, um, which are the little chemical manufacturing plants inside cells. It's one of the organelles that helps produce histamines and various things. And so inflammation will drop because you're affecting the peroxisomes, so they're not producing the same amount of histamine, so you don't get the inflammation response. So basically, you're trying to figure out or you're, you're dying in the why or how, the how this works. And of each of these little, I, I mean, so far, what, what have you done? Maybe one, two, two cannabinoids out of 115, 116? Right. I feel pretty confident that I know about what 12 of them do. Wow. That's a lot. Yes. So moving forward a little bit, when cannabis was announced that Utah were moving in this direction, right? I was approached by uh, Zion and they're like, look, we want to make actual medicine. You know, people who, who want to just stimulate dopamine and have a high response um, with Delta 9, look, man, what, what you do at your house is awesome. High five, right? Right. Delta 9 is the THC. THC Delta 9. It stimulates the dopamine center. That's where absorption occurs. And that's basically your body's reward system is your dopamine center, right? And so you could go run 100 miles and then you get that runner's high, right? Or you can sit and eat salty chips and get a similar experience. Or look, man, you can light up and have a really good afternoon without, you know, running 100 miles to do it. (laughs) So look, that's all cool and everything. But it's a different experience when you say, look, my mom has cancer. She's nauseous all the time. She's in pain perpetually. And, and she also can't sleep. 
okay, well, look, we can get her high. We can do that. Or why don't we start addressing the areas that she's actually affected with? So, for example, Delta-8, which also actually stimulates dopamine but has higher cellular uptake, uh, helps with nausea. Um, CBN is associated with uh, anxiety and sleep, and it affects the somatin pathway. And then, you know, for pain, we can again look at CBG. And so why not make a medicine that's actually what we would call medicine? And let's create dosing parameters around it, right? Like this is something that doctors should be interested in. We create actual dosing for an individual the same way we would in pharmaceuticals. It, we create mig per kg doses for individuals based on body weight, based on type. We should be looking at what other medications might be uh, affected. So we can look at drug-drug interactions. You know, CBD is a GABA agonist. And so we, you know, if somebody's taking gabapentin or something like that, we should look at those things prior to administering them. Yeah, let's create real medicine. Let's do some really cool things rather than just get people high. Again, if, if we were a recreational state, high five all day long, but we've decided to go medical. So let's create medical. So I want to get back to some of the Delta-8, right? I'm really, really interested in talking a little bit about that. But what do you think, as far as the state of Utah is concerned right now, like how do you think the rollout has been from a medical marijuana perspective compared to recreational? What, what? Right. I think Utah, first off, I want to congratulate Utah for moving in the direction of what people wanted. I mean, Prop 2 was voted on. And look, the reality is most of my experience with doctors has been fairly positive, but they have no idea how to write a prescription. They have no idea what it means or, or what that even looks like. I mean, this is, Tim, this is why you need to exist on some levels because, right. you know, you're the guy who knows and you know what to think about all of this. And so, you know, props to you for sure. But it's been fairly favorable, but I don't think anyone has known how to roll this out. And, and a lot of people are making decisions on subjects they don't know anything. And so, um, I couldn't agree with you more, by the way. (laughs) And it it makes it challenging to say the least. I mean, right now we only have two farm, well, one pharmacy that's open, one supposedly opening this week. And we've supposed to have, you know, we were supposed to have the full program rolling out in March and patients, not enough patients have their cards first and foremost. And secondly, um, where are they going to go? I mean, you know, we we have home delivery locked in, but without a pharmacy, I have no ability to actually enact our home delivery system either, right? And so we have to do it through a pharmacy, and and I don't think pharmacies are at a point where they're ready to even begin having that that question, right? So, but here's some cool things. Here's some cool things that Utah has done that other states haven't done, and I do think states will follow this. One, we were talking about specific cannabinoids. Utah allows for industrial hemp product. The reason why this is, becomes really, really important to us is because if you look at most marijuana strains, okay, we look at a sour diesel, we look at all of these various cool strains that are out there, various kushas and, and golden spike and all these various other things. Really, if you look at their profiles, the biggest difference is the total amount of THC, maybe the amount of CBD. Most of them are negligible, almost no CBD at all. And terpene profile, you know, it's higher in caraophylline or it's higher in myrosine, right? Look, that would be like trying to treat every disease known to man with ibuprofen and Benadryl. It doesn't make any sense. 
So where am I going to derive high concentrations of CBG, CBB, which has been shown to help with neuropathy, right? Where am I going to derive those from? Well, hemp seems to be have an abundance of various other cannabinoids that we can isolate and use. And so Utah's pretty forward thinking in that they were saying like, look, and, and let's be clear, industrial hemp, there is no difference between industrial hemp and marijuana except for the THC content. I mean, they come from the same plant. Right. Really, we're just deriving other good parts from the plants and then including those in the medications. And so that's kind of Zion's whole deal is like we are putting in really specific cannabinoids for very specific therapeutic purposes. Are you going to see uh, hemp products and then take isolates from the hemp and mix those into the with the THC content from the like, quote unquote marijuana plant to yes. make these medicines? That's right. That's exactly right. So we we grow marijuana, right? And then we, for all of our trim and what we would call our popcorn flour, things that don't meet the snuff to be a premium flour for, you know, being able to say it, sell, we will reduce that. We will extract it just like we would anything else. But I also then take extracted hemp process. So my company also has a hemp processing license. And we do that very specifically so that we can go and find very interesting genetics on the hemp side extract those, isolate their cannabinoids, and be able to supplement them into the medical market. Your products, where are they going to be for sale at? Any pharmacy that wants to carry our products. <laughs> I hope all of them. Yeah. Okay. So all of them. All right. Sorry. I'm just trying to understand it because I don't really understand how the back end industry works as I'm sure a lot of listeners don't even understand really all the products. So, so like the pharmacy, like Dragonfly or yeah, Dragonfly is open right now. They manufacture their own products, but they might purchase some of your products then as well from Zion Pharmaceuticals. Is that kind of how it works? Right. So, so there's two kind of real thoughts around this. One is if you, if you think about it, fully integrated markets and medical make a lot of sense. And the reason uh -huh. why they make sense is because you can decrease divergence, right? So if I'm a cultivator and I produce premium bud, but there is a pharmacy that or pharmacies refuse to carry my product, I don't have an outlet for my product right? And so with the cost of the fees, the cost of growing, the cost of everything, the chances of me just being like, well, I guess I can't sell are, are very low. And this is where when we talk about divergence, this is where people then take stuff that's supposed to be for the white market, and they move it over into the black market. Uh, fully integrated companies are able to avoid that because they always have an outlet for all the product that they produce, right? Um, we're yeah. in this position um, because we don't have a pharmacy, so we rely on pharmacies to buy our product and whether or not they'll carry them. Um, some pharmacies want to only carry their own stuff. And I think that's a very strange position to take because if you're really doing this for the benefit of patients, there's two, two real aspects of this. One, you want to offer a variety of products for a ver variety of conditions, right? So for example, I... As of right now in the market, nobody can come close to what our profile is for our team. We have more cannabinoids than anybody else, and we basically throw those in for free to get better therapeutic effects. But having said that, so you want to offer a variety of products for different people because some people need a hard-hitting Delta-9 to stimulate dopamine. Delta-8 is much more mild. It will get you high, but it's a much more mild high. Like... Um, 
you, you're not in your head. It's people describe it as being more of a body high, right? And so you feel good everywhere, but you're not so much into your headspace. So some people are looking for heavy hits in Delta 9. Some are looking for more of the Delta 8 experience. And we can talk more about Delta 8 versus Delta 9 in a minute. The second thing is people who are experienced users run into what I will call walls where they don't get the same effect every single time from their product, right? Um, People who are avid smokers um, of Bud like to try different things. And so if you're only carrying your own products, you're denying the patient the ability to have a wide variety of things that they might be interested in helping them. I think this brings up a pretty interesting point about the black market too. I run into a lot of patients who are saying, well, you know, I have pain or I have uh, you know, PTSD, and I'm treating with, oh, I just treat with whatever's on the black market. Right. That's not a very good therapeutic pathway for patients who really want access to medicine that helps them. They know cannabis helps them. And, and maybe, you know, two years ago, they found banana cush, and that was the strain that really helped their pain and they slept better, but now they can't find it again. Right. You know, because- and so to to your point, I, I hope that pharmacies kind of open up that, um, you know, and buy more products and offer more products. I can see why they wouldn't. They need sure. the outlet. And, you know, I mean, you know, not all of them probably went into this to uh, benefit the patients. I'm sure there's some money to be made in a in a pharmacy dispensary situation. Sure. Uh, I, it, it's a really good point. I mean, that's a really good point. This is precisely why, in my opinion, you should be creating not just flour, but actual other types of medication that we know what the dose response is, right? I can't imagine, because in the state, you're not allowed to smoke bud anyway, but we all know what that means. I mean, everyone's going to vaporize their their bud and smoke it, right? But look, the soccer mom who is in a car wreck, who has bad back problems, is not going to be vaping and lighting up on the soccer field with their kid. What they would prefer to do is be able to take a pill or a tincture or even an edible and have the exact same effect every single time. Right. Exact dose. This is how you get the medical profession involved in this. And this is where like, I hope it goes in Utah. I just don't want it to get recreational too fast because I think we miss an opportunity for you, for guys like you to to convince not only patients i think patients are like they're convinced you know it, it works but the medical community is just not yet convinced because we haven't had these products put together in a milligram per kilogram dosing pack in a in an aerosolized uh metered dose inhaler yep right yeah things like that now i i i would Add to that that I like the flower. I like the the vaping the flower and that natural experience. There's a lot of people who really like that. Sure, absolutely, Abs- absolutely. Well, and this is why I look. This is one of the reasons I have a cultivation license, right? I want to produce premium bud, and and that is a means by which a lot of people get their relief, and I'm okay with that. I mean, that's that's part of the patient working with their doctor. Right. And this is the, this is the way I think about this is, you know, we have a lot of we're in Utah. We have a lot of people who take lavender and all kinds of different things. Right. The reality is even everyone who's doing things like that should be working with their doctor to find some type of regimen 
that is helping them with the condition that they're trying to relieve, right? And so what I'm hoping is that people will go to their doctor and they'll say, look, I'm having trouble with PTSD. And the doctor I'm hoping at some point becomes educated enough and learns about our products and different things like that. And they say, ah, okay, we know that you need to have a combination of CBN and CBC. And the reason why we know that is because CBN is going to help the somatin pathway that's going to help with your anxiety and sleep. But we also need to have permeate uh, endocannabinoid receptor system one in the brain. And so CBC has, has very high permeability for that. And so it will help carry through some of the other cannabinoids. Um, it also helps with acetyl-CoA formation of the brain. So when you have a fight or flight response, it's going to inhibit that in a way that's more productive, right? And so... I mean, that's maybe wishful thinking, that, but we're not there yet, obviously, but that's really how that should be working. And so then, then they can work with the pharmacist at all the different dispensaries and all the different pharmacies, and they can go in and say to the pharmacist, look, my doctor's recommending these cannabinoids. What products are here that have this profile? Right? Because if it simply is, look, man, I want to go get lit off my can, you don't need a pharmacist or a doctor to do that. <laughs> right but we're talking about medicine and and tim you brought up such a good point and i really appreciate this i don't think people really realize that if they want to move to recreational we need to have an extremely solid medical program first to show that we're responsible about how we think about medicines there's never going to be a quick transition if everyone's just saying ha 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 we got medical and now man let's remove right to recreational i think they're missing first a huge opportunity to introduce good medicine but secondly, look, man, Utah's a little odd. I, I don't think we'll go that direction. I think if we don't do this responsibly, uh, we're going to see more restriction rather than things rather opening up. And my hope is that things open up. And so we got to do it responsibly and, and actually do what our purpose is. Did you ever see Utah getting medical cannabis, Blake? I did, actually. So when I spent my time at the University of Utah, I actually worked up in, in the University of Utah Health Hospital. And I talked with lots of doctors. And so one of my areas that, that I helped do uh, continuing education was in Huntsman Cancer Center. And I think for most doctors, and Tim, you're going to have to weigh in on this one, man. But from my experience, most doctors are pretty open to medications that help their patients as long as it meets the criteria of we know it's safe, we know the efficacy, and we know what the dosing should be for that. And the biggest problem with cannabis is most of those studies haven't been done. We don't know what efficacious dosing is supposed to look like, right? Right. It's not that hard. I mean, we, I mean, we've been doing this in pharmaceuticals for a long time. We can get there pretty quick. I would modify this one step, and this is coming from somebody who is a cannabis advocate in the medical field. I think that you are you've hit the nail on the head as far as what doctors want in a medicine. We want to know it's safe. But when you say, you know, we want to know the dose, that's true. The flip side of that is cannabis allows the patient to take control and medical providers don't, are not comfortable giving the patient control over the dosing or the delivery system. So that part of it is a real, that's a communication between the patient and the provider, right? And right. that's, I think, where we're missing that I spend a lot of time talking to medical providers about that specific issue, right? You've got to give the patient control. Patients want control of something safe and you need to know what to, it would be so awesome if we could say, okay, look, 
you know what? I think you need a product with high CBC, high CBN, and uh, you know, half and half Delta nine and Delta eight. Yeah. Right. So yeah. here it is on the little paper. Take this down to the pharmacy and see what they have. Yep. And and maybe that will happen one day. That's like that's my pie in the sky right there. Right. Yep. That's my pie in the sky too. <laughs> oh, but, nice fist bump, virtual fist bump. <laughs> um, and I think we can get there. Right. I mean, that's kind of my whole goal in life is to determine what these specific cannabinoids do and see how we can integrate them into therapeutic purposes. Right. And so, well, this is the thing, like I'm willing to go talk to any group ever that wants to know more about any of this. And am I right on everything? Probably not. I'm, I think I'm pretty far along the path, maybe probably further than many. Um, I think in the next five years, as more and more studies come out, you know, it turns out that, oh, I, I maybe have missed this. But having said that, we're following a good process. We're following, you know, the right way to think about this. And we're thinking about extraction. You know, one of the other things that I think is super important about all of this is we need to move away from the traditional way that people have always thought about THC use, right? And so when people look at extraction models, they create different products based on the extraction, Right. And so I'm going to go ahead and create a pie crust or a crumble, right? And so I'm going to go ahead and do a, a butane extraction. And then I'm going to go ahead and do a water wash cycle. And then I'm going to go ahead and cold press this. Look, man, hydrocarbon extraction leaves residue. There's just no way around that. And so now you're smoking a hydrocarbon residue into your lungs. I can produce a pie crust or a crumble without ever having to do a butane extraction. We can move into the modern age about how we think about extraction and creating concentrates is safer. And, and by doing that, we eliminate some of the negative things that have been associated. I mean, we look at vaping, right? If you don't regulate and you don't think about it and you don't work with your provider and you don't work with your doctor and you all have all these things, right? All of a sudden you might have some random person throwing in vitamin E because they think it's good. And then you're smoking vitamin E acetate and you end up forming formaldehyde at the bottom of your lungs because you heat it up above 400 degrees and you take your aldehydes and convert them. This is a terrible plan, right? Yeah, we saw that. <laughs> right, exactly. We saw that play out all over the nation with, what, 20, 18 to 23-year-old males in ICUs. Right, that's exactly right. And now they're even more susceptible with corona and all these other things that are out there, right? So, so we have to be really smart about how we think about these things. You know, there's, there's uh, pesticides people put on tomatoes, right? And chemists have created some of these pesticides so that they won't integrate in the in ingestion system. So you can eat them all day and they just flush right out. But the second you light it on fire, all of a sudden you've changed everything, right? That compound is no longer stable. It will integrate. And now you've caused a lot of lung damage. And so I'm not an advocate for pesticides, by the way. I'm just saying that people take things that they think to be healthy or okay, and they try and convert them into other industries. And that's just not how it works. That's not good science. That's not the way we should be thinking about things. And so taking people who have traditionally done things in the THC industry, it's not all bad. There's lots of really, really good things and lots of knowledge we gain from that. But just to say, oh, we're going to directly pour it over now into a medical and we're going to do hemp the same way we've done THC. And we're going to do things on dirt floors with, you know, um, radiator hoses and stuff is bananas. I, I can't even comprehend that. It, 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 like we live in a modern age with modern science. Like we should be able to do this better. Sure. 
Okay, so uh, let's let's change the subject because I think a lot of listeners would like your knowledge about some some of these conditions. I'm going to tell you a condition, and you tell me what you think the best uh, the best blend of cannabinoids are. Sure. Right. So let's just the biggest one, Chris. You got one. Uh, PTSD is that kind of what you want to go for? Like yeah, a qualification yeah. for here in Utah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Yeah. What do you think? PTSD. What do you like? Uh, I would like Delta eight over Delta nine, although you should have a little bit of Delta nine. So a combination between Delta nine and Delta eight, uh, THC. And then I would also combine CBN. It would help relax. Um, so if you're having a fight or flight response or an anxiety response, you need to balance that out and take that down a notch. Uh, CBN will assist with that. And then CBC will help activate the endocannabinoid receptor system one, which, uh, will help push the THC in, um, across the blood brain barrier. So I think CBC, CBN, THC, Delta nine and Delta eight. Interesting. Okay. Pain. How about just general, like, man, I mean, back pain, joint pain, chronic, that type of uh, musculoskeletal pain. So I would have low levels of THC Delta 9. And the reason why is because Delta 9 and Delta 8 help activate endocannabinoid receptor system 2, which is cellular uptake. And so we would do a little bit of THC Delta 9, Delta 8. Um, and then I would also do CBG. And I would actually have CBD in with that as well. Uh, CBD is a good balancing act for almost all other cannabinoids. Now, it doesn't have a high cellular uptake, but what it does is it blocks a lot of competing signals in the synapse. And so um, people who have traditionally had paranoia or anxiety when they take too much THC can balance that out with CBD. And the reason why is because CBD locks down some of those dopamine channels, so you're not having too much absorption too quickly. And so CBD seems to be a good way to block competing signals within endocannabinoid receptor system one. Okay, last one is, uh, and the other really common one that I see is, it's a nausea with, you know, abdominal, uh, really abdominal discomfort, this nausea. Is there something different you would do or you would recommend for that type of thing? I would have way less Delta-9. I would almost exclusively use Delta-8 or a much, much higher percentage of Delta-8, uh, CBD and CBG. That was pretty awesome. Now, let me remind every listener that this is not medical advice. We are education information. <laughs> I have a question. Where can our listeners or even myself, I'm more interested in myself really, but how can I learn more about Delta-8, Delta-9, all the cannabinoids, all this different stuff? Or is there a way to learn about it? Or is that, I guess, what you're for? Yeah. I mean, so here's what I would say. There is lots of information out there. Yeah. The sources for it, though, some are good and some are bad, right? And so, you know, if you get that pamphlet that's in a local dispensary in Colorado and it lists all of your terpenes and it's like, oh, this one's for mind healing, Right let's be really clear. There's no definitive scientific data that shows that that's the case. I'm not saying that terpenes aren't valuable. I'm just saying that the way that people have thought about these things is, is not scientifically based for the most part, but there are papers out there, right? A lot of data has come from Israel. Israel's already figured out a lot of this stuff. And so there are papers that do exist. There's actual books out there, um, textbooks. In fact, I'm, I'm studying in, in the middle of one called phytocannabinoids, unraveling the complex chemistry and pharmacology of cannabis. And it's a textbook and it's a little bit heady, but 
having said that, uh, there's a lot of really cool information in there. Um, and really, this is why doctors like Tim exist. Tim knows more than, than most people, I would say. And this is why I exist. Look, I'm willing to, every single time we have a product in a pharmacy, I'm willing to go and do as many education classes as the pharmacy wants. And, and I'm willing to, you know, get together with Tim as much as he's willing to put up with me um, to do as much education as humanly possible. Oh, yeah. I mean, this is the beginning of, I mean, we're going to put a lot of this stuff on utahmarijuana.org. Uh, we're going to transcribe this podcast and you and I are going to talk again uh, with Chris, especially, and we're going to put a lot of this stuff that you learn from these textbooks and articles that we, we write about these minor cannabinoids on utahmarijuana.org as well. Perfect. And then of course, you know, and then we're, on, we're doing ongoing studies all the time. You know, we, we um, are slated to do a couple studies this year. I'm hoping that we can do five or six more studies at the University of Utah next year. So as, as we get more scientific data, we'll be able to do that as well. Very cool. Thanks again, Blake. What, do you know the website or how people, I mean, is there a way people can find out more about Zion Pharmaceuticals or is, I don't know, is there a I'll way? I'll put a link, uh, I'll put a link on utahmarijuana.org and I will, uh, because right now Zion Pharmaceutical is one, you know, it's a page, it'll get there. Yep. And we'll have more. Um, I'll put some articles out there as soon as I can about the the products that Zyme Pharmaceutical has. Okay. And what what kind of they offer? Do you think that would be probably the the quickest method, Blake? Yeah, I think that's probably the quickest method. And uh, we'll be updating more all the time. I mean, we're always trying to um, balance production, research, and uh, updating the website and all those things. Right. Right. Let me let me do the let me do the uh, the outreach. You guys focus on getting some good products out there for us. Deal. That sounds awesome. And then utahintheweeds.com for this podcast. If you want to listen to the previous episodes, if you haven't listened to those yet, make sure to subscribe uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And how can people your utahmarijuana.org, right, Tim? Is that yeah, utahmarijuana.org, 801-851-5554. Our voicemails, I think, have been cleared out. <laughs> and we've got people to answer the phone and really any question people have about the process, getting a card or you know, how to access cannabis in Utah, we're here to help. Do you know how, how is the EVS system? Any ideas? Is that you know what I I have somebody full time. I have a what I I consider her an EVS specialist. Okay, I can get uh, you know if a patient comes in to my clinic, we we have them register. We walk them through the entire process, and literally, it takes less than a couple of days to get an official card. It's not impossible. The system does work. It's not it's not a great system, but it does work. And but it takes. It takes a lot of support. So, so I think this card, you know, like the letters using the letters at the dispensaries, that's going to help a lot. That's going to actually, I think that'll open up more pharmacies, right? That'll drive a lot of pharmacies to open because there'll be a lot more people, but yeah, the card system works. It's, it's still working. I talked to uh, Rich O'Born today. It's, it's working. And everybody support local. Yeah, support local, especially right now. Uh, especially with gosh, I don't even. That's a whole nother, whole nother podcast. Uh, that's it. Uh, I guess Chris, we'll see. you haven't mentioned how to get a hold of you. Iamsaltlake.com. That's go check out my other podcast, Chris at Iamsaltlake.com. If you want to email me, get in touch with Tim or myself if you're interested to come on this podcast. We would love to get more people from the local cannabis industry on 
uh, this podcast, they need a platform to talk on because I'm sure they don't have a lot of platforms to talk on in this city. I'm sure they're muted in a lot of places. So, so uh, yeah, great. Anyway, well, it's good talking to you guys. See you yeah, guys next. Safe out there.